section fifty eight of india persia mesopotamia and palestine this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by jim locke of floyd virginia the world's story volume two india persia mesopotamia and palestine edited by eva march tappan section fifty eight sohrab's last contest by matthew arnold of all the heroes of the persian legends the greatest was rustum his exploits were numerous enough to have needed the work of at least a score of champions for more than a score of years while he was away from his own country his wife bore him a son sohrab but lest rustum should send for the boy to train him to become a warrior she bade a messenger say to her husband that their child was a girl this was how it came to pass some years later that rustum and sohrab being on opposite sides met in single combat wherein sohrab received his death wound he declares the mighty rustum shall avenge my death my father whom i seek through all the world he shall avenge my death and punish thee the editor and he saw that youth of age and looks to be his own dear son piteous and lovely lying on the sand like some rich hyacinth which by the scythe of an unskilful gardener has been cut mowing the garden grass plots near its bed and lies a fragrant tower of purple bloom on the mown dying grass so sohrab lay lovely in death upon the common sand and rustum gazed on him with grief and said o sohrab thou indeed art such a son whom rustum wert thou his might well have loved yet here thou errest sohrab or else men have told thee false thou art not rustum's son for rustum had no son one child he had but one a girl who with her mother now plies some light female task nor dreams of us of us she dreams not nor of wounds nor war but sohrab answered him in wrath for now the anguish of the deep fixed spear grew fierce and he desired to draw forth the steel and let the blood flow free and so to die but first he would convince his stubborn foe and rising sternly on one arm he said man who art thou who dost deny my words truth sits upon the lips of dying men and falsehood while i lived was far from mine i tell thee pricked upon this arm i bear that seal which rustum to my mother gave that she might prick it on the babe she bore he spoke and all the blood left rustum's cheeks and his knees tottered and he smote his hand against his breast his heavy mailed hand that the hard iron corslet clanked aloud and to his heart he pressed the other hand and in a hollow voice he spake and said 
sorab that were a proof which could not lie if thou show this then art thou rustum's son then with weak hasty fingers sorab loosed his belt and near the shoulder bared his arm and showed a sign in faint vermilion points pricked as a cunning workman in pekin pricks with vermilion some clear porcelain vase an emperor's gift at early morn he paints and all day long and when night comes the lamp lights up his studious forehead and thin hands so delicately pricked the sign appeared on sorab's arm the sign of rustum's seal it was that griffin which of old reared zal rustum's great father whom they left to die a helpless babe among the mountain rocks him that kind creature found and reared and loved then rustum took it for his glorious sign and sorab bared that image on his arm and himself scanned it long with mournful eyes and then he touched it with his hand and said how sayest thou is that sign the proper sign of rustum's son or of some other man's he spoke but rustum gazed and gazed and stood speechless and then he uttered one sharp cry o oh boy thy father and his voice choked there and then a dark cloud passed before his eyes and his head swam and he sank down to earth but sorab crawled to where he lay and cast his arms about his neck and kissed his lips and with fond faltering fingers stroked his cheeks trying to call him back to life and life came back to rustum and he oped his eyes and they stood wide with horror and he seized in both his hands the dust which lay around and threw it on his head and smirched his hair his hair and face and beard and glittering arms and strong convulsive groanings shook his breast and his sobs choked him and he clutched his sword to draw it and for ever let life out but sorab saw his thought and held his hands and with a soothing voice he spake and said father forbear for i but meet to-day the doom which at my birth was written down in heaven and thou art heaven's unconscious hand surely my heart cried out that it was thou when first i saw thee and thy heart spoke too i know it but fate trod those promptings down under its iron heel fate fate engaged the strife and hurled me on my father's spear but let us speak no more of this i find my father let me feel that i have found come sit beside me on this sand and take my head betwixt thy hands and kiss my cheeks and wash them with thy tears and say my son quick quick for numbered are my sands of life and swift for like the lightning to this field i came and like the wind i go away sudden and swift and like a passing wind but it was writ in heaven that this should be so said he and his voice released the heart of rustum and his tears broke forth he cast his arms round his son's neck and wept aloud and kissed him 
and awe fell on both the hosts when they saw rustum's grief and ruksh the horse with his head bowing to the ground and mane sweeping the dust came near and in mute woe first to the one then to the other moved his head as if inquiring what their grief might mean and from his dark compassionate eyes the big warm tears rolled down and caked the sand but rustum chid him with stern voice and said ruksh now thou grievest but o ruksh thy feet should first have rotted on their nimble joints or ere they brought thy master to this field but sorab looked upon the horse and said is this then ruksh how often in past days my mother told me of thee thou brave steed my terrible father's terrible horse and said that i should one day find thy lord in thee come let me lay my hand upon thy mane o ruksh thou art more fortunate than i for thou hast gone where i shall never go and snuffed the breezes of my father's home and thou hast trod the sands of seistan and seen the river of helmund and the lake of zira and the aged zal himself has often stroked thy neck and given thee food corn in a golden platter soaked with wine and said o ruksh bear rustum well but i have never known my grandsire's furrowed face nor seen his lofty house in seistan nor slaked my thirst at the clear helmand stream but lodged among my father's foes and seen aphrasiab's cities only samarkand bokhara and lone kiva in the waste and the black turkman tents and only drunk the desert rivers murghab and tajen kohik and where the kalmuks feed their sheep the northern sir and this great oxus stream the yellow oxus by whose brink i die then with a heavy groan rustum bewailed oh that its waves were flowing over me oh that i saw its grains of yellow silt roll tumbling in the current o'er my head but with a grave mild voice sorab replied desire not that my father thou must live for some are born to do great deeds and live as some are born to be obscured and die do thou the deeds i die too young to do and reap a second glory in thine age thou art my father and thy gain is mine but come thou seest this great host of men which follow me i pray thee slay not these let me entreat for them what have they done they followed me my hope my fame my star let them all cross the oxus back in peace but me thou must bear hence not send with them but carry me with thee to seistan and place me on a bed and mourn for me thou and the snow-haired zal and all thy friends and thou must lay me in that lovely earth and heap a stately mound above my bones and plant a far-seen pillar over all that so the passing horsemen on the waste may see my tomb a great way off and cry sorab the mighty rustum's son lies there whom his great father did in ignorance kill
and i be not forgotten in my grave and with a mournful voice rustum replied fear not as thou hast said sorab my son so shall it be for i will burn my tents and quit the host and bear thee hence with me and carry thee away to seistan and place thee on a bed and mourn for thee with the snow-headed zal and all my friends and i will lay thee in that lovely earth and heap a stately mound above thy bones and plant a far-seen pillar over all and men shall not forget thee in thy grave and i will spare thy host yea let them go let them all cross the oxus back in peace what should i do with slaying any more for would that all that i have ever slain might be once more alive my bitterest foes and they who were called champions in their time and through whose death i won that fame i have and i were nothing but a common man a poor mean soldier and without renown so thou mightest live too my son my son or rather would that i even i myself might now be lying on this bloody sand near death and by an ignorant stroke of thine not thou of mine and i might die not thou and i not thou be born to seistan and thou might weep above my grave not thine and say o son i weep thee not too sore for willingly i know thou met'st thine end but now in blood and battles was my youth and full of blood and battles is my age and i shall never end this life of blood then at the point of death sorab replied a life of blood indeed thou dreadful man but thou shalt yet have peace only not now not yet but thou shalt have it on that day when thou shalt sail in a high-masted ship thou and the other peers of kai kosru returning home over the salt blue sea from laying thy dear master in his grave and rustum gazed in sorab's face and said soon be that day my son and deep that sea till then if fate so wills let me endure he spoke and sorab smiled on him and took the spear and drew it from his side and eased his wounds imperious anguish but the blood came welling from the open gash and life flowed with the stream all down his cold white side the crimson torrent ran dim now and soiled like the soiled tissue of white violets left freshly gathered on their native bank by children whom their nurses call with haste indoors from the sun's eye his head drooped low his limbs grew slack motionless white he lay white with eyes closed only when heavy gasps deep heavy gasps quivering through all his frame convulsed him back to life he opened them and fixed them feebly on his father's face till now all strength was ebbed and from his limbs unwillingly the spirit fled away regretting the warm mansion which it left and youth and bloom and this delightful world so on the bloody sand sorab lay dead and the great rustum drew his horseman's cloak down o'er his face and sat by his dead son as those black granite pillars once high reared by jemshid in persepolis to bear his house now mid their broken flights of steps like prone enormous down the mountain side so in the sand lay rustum by his son and night came down over the solemn waste and the two gazing hosts and that sole pair and darkened all and a cold fog with night crept from the oxus soon a hum arose as of a great assembly loosed and fires began to twinkle through the fog for now both armies moved to camp and took their meal 
the persians took it on the open sand southward the tartars by the river marge and rustum and his son were left alone end of section fifty eight this recording is in the public domain recording by jim locke